This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Welcome to I Work For Him. We're so excited you've tuned in today. We've got an incredible show for you as Martha and I are on location. We are in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You said it right, too. I, know, like I had to really think, though. I, and you know what? I've never had a problem saying that, but because we've been, been practicing struggling. for you, um, because we don't want to be the Lancaster, you know, we got it, Lancaster. We've Lancaster. learned that. Lancaster. I've been practicing. I've said it 100,000 times in the last couple of weeks. Okay. But we are on location, courtesy of the Pocket Testament League. They arranged for us to meet a whole bunch of really cool people on this Lan- in Lancaster County. And we're all, we're driving all over the place today. So excited. And we're excited that you guys get to hear from some people that we've never interviewed before that are living out their faith in small town, farm town, agricultural areas of America. We're so excited. So, you know, we've gotten to talk. We, well, well, we're bringing back, ah, you know what, before I get to all that, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, right, to all of our broadcasts in all of our different cities on all of our radio stations. Yes, for sure. So um, thank you for, for, for tuning in. We are here to share what and highlight what God is doing. And one of the things I love, Jim, about us traveling all over, we can't possibly meet all the amazing people that are in each city. And I'm sitting here thinking of people that I know that I'm friends with on on Facebook and things like that, that I know live here and shout out to them. We will come back again, boy. And he's Jim's promised me we're going to get to spend more time next time. We will go back and we will stay at the Smoketown Inn in Smoketown, Pennsylvania. That was fantastic yes. last night. A shout out to Mike and all his team over but there. But to prove that we're, we've been here, though, we did get some Wilbur but Wilbur Wilbur chocolates. Bu- buds, right? Wilbur buds yes. Wilbur chocolates. We'd heard about them for years from our friends, and we got to go to the Outback Toy Store. Very, this has very been amazing. Cool. It is very, very amazing. All right, so we're on location in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're back at Binkley Hurst. Don Hoover is hosting us to do another show, and we're so grateful that he's willing to take time out of his busy schedule to connect with us. Don Hoover, welcome back to I Work For Him. Yeah, it's great to have you here. You know, we really, yesterday was fun um, hearing your stories that, and, and just sharing about how you're living out your faith here at Binkley Hurst. But let's just remind people, you gave us a tour of your toy store. Yes, we did. And and you said that you do an incredible amount of business at Toy Story, and, and so you took us over there to look at it. <laughs> By the way, that was awesome. Uh, I especially loved the retro Hot Wheels Matchbox kind of things. They were they were a different name, but the 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 cars, the the El Caminos or the Rancheros, and the campers behind them, and the and the and the old Volkswagen Bugs and and buses, and I mean, that was you had some great stuff. What? No, I was just going to say, and there was a big Winnebago, or a little Winnebago, yeah. and people have always said with our traveling that we do that we should really get a camper, and we're like, oh, maybe that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, and they had an Airstream one, a 1981 Airstream. Yeah. I love the motorhome. That was just fantastic. Some great creativity. Don, talk to us about how you use the Pocket Testament along with the with your business tree, your toy store, Outback Toys. Um, Pocket Testaments. Uh, first of all, I think they're an awesome organization. And they're way more than that. They're obviously a ministry, and we've just had just tremendous opportunities along the way to partner with them. And so we've been using one of their partner gospels, uh, and we've been inserting it into packages that are shipped out of the toy store. And they're getting, not with each package per se, but with each order mm-hmm. um, in, in various seasons. I think right now we're out of them, to be honest with you. I need to order some more. But we've been shipping those pocket uh, gospels, the Gospels mm-hmm. of John, um, they're in a little gift wrap with a nice little bow on it. it it's just a, a neat little presentation, but it is the Gospel of John. And, and amazing, again, the number of people who express appreciation for it, 
who are calling back or emailing, texting, whatever, letting us know that, hey, that was cool. Thank you very much for that gift. So it's just another way to let the essence of Christ be exuded from the business that we're privileged to do here. So when people get the package, they get what they ordered, and they get a little extra. Do you ever get calls back and say, thank you for putting this in here? I read this. Tell me more. Or this changed my I mean, talk about some of those stories. We do. Um, I I'm not aware of anybody that's called back in and actually said, uh, you know, some of the stories that we've had throughout the dealership would have had people at the end of their proverbial rope, and we get to go out and minister, love on them, pray with them, have them accept Christ. You get to disciple them and, and befriend them. Um, but what we have had is people who are in a crisis who will say, uh, I believe you guys are religious people over there. Would you please pray about? And then they'll tell us the situation. Or what do you think I should do if? I mean, I th- we were riding in the truck just a little while ago, and you guys heard a phone call that came in from one of our customers, and he is extremely uptight and distraught about something. And he picks up the phone, doesn't call crisis intervention. He calls me and says, help me understand what's going on here. And I'm just losing my mind over this particular situation. And, again, it wasn't anything against the dealership, but it was something that he's uh, – the dynamic that he's experiencing in his life – and uh, he elected to call here because he knows our heart for God. And uh, and again, we just get multiple opportunities like that. Well, and you have over time continued to plant seeds that have led people to know that this is a safe place where they can come. Like you said, they just maybe know, think you're religious. They've seen scripture. They've been given evidence through the culture here that has helped them to know that this is a place I can call and vent or ask for help and because um, I'm scared, I don't know what I'm doing, whatever it might be. Your catalogs for the toy store also have a scripture on the front of them. So again, just that dripping of saying, you know, we we love the Lord, we want to communicate. And at the time when, when they need something, they know that you are a safe haven to go to. And that's one of the things, Jim, we just love to let our listeners hear is to be encouraged that um, this doesn't mean that in this moment in time, you are renting big billboards on the highway, you know, and it's that moment of saying, you know what, we're just going to put ourselves out there in this area and share the gospel. Don, we mentioned that we had some time for some more interviews here in town, and you invited somebody to join us today. Why don't you do an introduction? Well, um, I worked at this company for 23 years, and in 2005, yeah, I'm an old guy, um, in 2005, I was invited by the previous owners to consider uh, leading a group that might assume ownership of this company. So in August of 2006, I went from being um, a sheep to being their shepherd. And in that time, between um, October of 2005 and the actual transition date, um, I invested a lot of time in conversations with people. What do you think about this and how should we do that? Even though I knew the business real well mm-hmm. and I knew my associates in the business and, and just thousands really of clients, um, there was a specific uh, intentionality toward having this dealership be the platform from which we could honor and glorify Christ. So I was uh, aware for years of a local ministry over here called Teaching the Word Ministries, uh, TTWM, Teaching the Word Ministries. And one of the, um, uh, actually I believe the founder of that group was well known to me and for the work that they had been doing in various other organizations and some church fellowships and that kind of thing. And so I went over there and said, if I were to aspire to operate this business in a way that would honor and glorify Christ, what might that look like? And uh, was quickly pointed to a gentleman who was on their staff at that time by the name of Don Riker. 
Uh, Don has just been an incredible, incredible blessing to me and to others in the body of Christ and in the business community around here. Um, I say he is the foundation. He is the anchor. He reminds me that Christ is the anchor, and ultimately I know that's true, but he's mm. just been an amazing resource to me. And, uh, you know, he'll take the scripture, study it. He hears the voice of the Lord, I believe, and he'll study it and come back. And And uh, we were just talking about some stuff again in the last day here that I'm, you know, looking forward to having, seeing, seeing what the Lord will show him and how we might apply that um, in the business setting. But Don Raker has just been a tremendous blessing, and it's great to have you here today, Don, on very short notice. Thanks Thank a you, lot. Don. I appreciate the invitation. It's great mm-hmm. to be here. So, Don, every time somebody joins us on the air the very first time, we always ask him this question. How did you become a Jesus follower? I became a Jesus follower at age 20. Um, My mom had a rare form of cancer. We didn't know it It, when it was first discovered. They thought she had a benign tumor on the side of her neck, and she was told, you can have this removed at any time. And so she was a teacher. She decided she'd wait for a full school year until the school year was over. She had the surgery, and they said, it's cancer. We think we got all of it, but we're not sure. Long story short, that was the middle of June, and she died the third week of August. Never left the hospital. And until that point, I had had known of Jesus. I had gone to a church that um, did not preach the gospel, um, and I I really encountered something that I just could not deal with. Mm And in the middle of one night that summer, I cried out to God and said, where are you? I need you. I can't handle this. I desperately need you to help me. Why, why don't I feel you? What? Help me, please. And to my... When we come back, we'll hear how he answered. Okay. <laughs> You're listening awesome. to I Work for him. We're on location in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So excited to be here for the... We're really, we're spending some time just in the rolling hills, the fresh... You know, the fresh farm smells. <laughs> and we got to see some of the coolest chickens I've ever seen. Do you remember what those chickens were called, Don? Uh, brown. No, I don't remember what type <laughs> they were. That was they were the desk. fluffiest. They would have made some of the greatest pillows ever. There's no question. All right. So, Don Hoover, you brought us back here. Binkley and Hearst. Binkleyhearst.com. You invited your friend Don Riker on here, and we're so grateful. Don Riker, you were in the middle of talking about your your mom... You get to the end of your rope, basically. Your mom dies of cancer. Yes. And you're saying, God, you know, what's going on? I was watching her fade and Mm -hmm. knew that the end was near. And so I cried out to God. And to my knowledge, I never memorized Revelation 3.20. And yet I heard, it wasn't an audible voice, but I clearly heard, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open it, I will enter in and dine with him and he with me. And to this day, I can recall just saying out loud, surprised I didn't wake up other family members, well, that's really stupid. (laughs) I never opened the door and let you in. No wonder why you feel so far away. And Mm. so there that night, led by the Holy Spirit, by myself, I said, Lord, I open the door of my life. I give you all that I know. I need you. I cannot face this without Mm. you. And I gave my life to Christ, and everything changed. My whole perspective changed so quickly. My family, friends could not believe. They just watched this transformation happen very quickly um, as a result of God meeting me in my greatest hour of need. So tell us what, how then did you um, grow that relationship? I mean, if that was, you know, you had a very authentic encounter with our Heavenly Father, and He changed your life, then... Where did it go from there? 
Well, I shared it with a, a good friend of my mother's who it turns out she lived next to my best friend. And um, I found out she had been praying for us for years mm. and that she had actually been to the hospital every morning to bathe my mother, feed her, read to her from the scriptures and witness to her. And she said, I recommend that you go to our church because they, they preach the gospel, they preach the Bible. And so I said, okay, I'll go. And it was the first time I ever heard expository preaching. I honestly, at the moment, was so naive. I thought this was the only pastor anywhere who ever preached like that and loved it and got upset when he would end the sermon. It was like, come on, you've got to give me more. And got involved in a college and career age uh, Bible study, and my life just took off. So let's just try, you know, Don Hoover, you wanted Don Riker to come on the show today. Why don't you tell us what is it about Don Riker that's impacted your life, and what is it you wanted our listeners to hear from him today? Don Riker is a dear brother who has a heart for God. He has a love for the Word of God. Um, I believe that he has been gifted with a capacity to hear Holy Spirit like not many people I know. Um, it's rare for me to get a, a quick answer out of Don. Uh, if I ask him about this or that, I mean, if maybe it's something schedule-oriented. If he doesn't already have his schedule full, it's rare that he will say yes. He'll say, let me think about that, or let me contemplate that for a day or so, and I'll get back to you. Or you ask him to speak somewhere. If it's not something he's done before and is clear on the direction the Lord may be moving that group or whatever, um, there's usually a time of discernment, and that's one of the things, again, that I've been instructed by these guys uh, just to, to make a noticeable, uh, discernible difference between decision-making, which you can do with a snap of a finger, and a discernment that says, eh, let me just slow down here and see what the Lord would have us do here. So I saw that in Don early on, again, respecting his peer uh, and partner and this, this other person saying, uh, Don Riker's the guy you want. And so from the beginning, in our earliest conversations, I remember uh, hearing things that I was noting, writing down, wonder what that looks like in action, which is exactly what I wanted. Because again, I had been raised in a traditional uh, local church here. Um, but what does it really mean to see Jesus put himself on display in our marketplace? And how do I get to participate in that? So again, um, Don, here's what I'm sensing, you know, maybe something I believe Holy Spirit's impressed me with, and I'll run it by him. And he says, wow, yeah, I think that's profound. Or he says, uh, I need to sit with that for a little bit, you know, or whatever. So it's a, he's another, I don't get to sit down and talk to Jesus, you know, with skin on, as they say. But uh, my brother Don Riker gets real close to that for me. So Don, did you ever consider yourself to be a business consultant? Not initially. I actually started out as a high school teacher, middle and high school special needs, and did that for two years. And then the Lord called me into full-time ministry initially in the pregnancy center movement. And I was in that for 10 years on the local, national, and regional levels. And then I recognized a call to serve leaders. And um, and that would, would be church leaders, nonprofit organization leaders, but also especially Christian business owners. Right. Um, I had many friends who are Christian business owners, and I would hear them talk about the challenges they faced and the little resources they had available to them. I would hear how that sometimes people in the church would treat them like a walking bank account and how that was really hurtful <laughs> for them um, to not be viewed as a person, but just as a, a resource. And, and the mindset of, of, of the, much of the church at that time, and it's still a little bit today, was business is a necessary evil so that we can get money to do ministry. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that 
from the beginning that all of our life is supposed to be about discipleship and about following Jesus, and this divide between sacred and secular is artificial and not biblical. And so I had this passion to, to see business leaders be able to fulfill their calling and use their spiritual gifts right where God put them because they have an opportunity to influence people that would never walk into a church on any given Sunday. Well, and you said, well, you, you think it's still around today. No, that is still prevailing today. And and the unfortunate part of it is, is to, it, it's just for that whole mentality. It's like, okay, as you know, I was discipled. Business is business, church is church. They have nothing to do with each other. Right. Just make a lot of money, give it to the church and let them do the ministry. Yet Don Hoover, who runs Binkley and Hearst is in full-time ministry here every day. Absolutely. And it's changing the mindset, changing the vocabulary, actually changing the verbiage, because you said, okay, you, you, you called in a full-time ministry, but you're already in full-time ministry and as a teacher. Yes. Talk about the most powerful, painful ministry out there, a mm-hmm. teacher, especially, you said, middle school. I taught middle school <laughs> middle for school a year. Special needs, so, yeah. Yeah. Middle school special needs. Middle school special needs. Yeah. Most middle schoolers are special needs, but you're talking, you take it to a whole other <laughs> level. More. Because you you both have kids, so you know what middle schoolers are like. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just there's a challenge there. But I mean, that was a ministry. I mean, I you, rarely is a profession as painfully obvious that it's a full time call yes. as a teacher. Uh, I mean, that was even obvious to me when I'm like, yeah, but I think they might be up there too. But this this whole paradigm shift. So God has you starting to pour your life into others. Yes, and 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 there's there's always opportunities to see that in action. Talk to us about what that looks like day to day as you walk side by side with the Lord and say, okay, what are you doing today? What do you want me to get involved in? I mean, what's what is your day to day business tree look like today? Well, at this point, I'm in a unique season where I'm on disability because of contracting a rare disease, traveling to India mm-hmm. to train tribal pastors there. Okay. So I'm still walking through that, but I am because what I do really flows out of who I am. I've never been able to stop <laughs> um, mm-hmm. ministering to people around me. Sure. And so I still have relationships. I still get phone calls. And so sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's going to meet with somebody. Um, but it's basically um, understanding where they are and where they want to be. And my joy is to see leaders really fulfill their calling and, and be all that God wants them to be wherever it is he's placed them. And I think part of that, Don, for us has been not only fulfilling it, but helping to discern what that calling is. Yes. It's more than just making money to pay the bills to give people a, an okay work environment. It's what is the purpose of God for this season of our work and ministry. And I think that's one of the things that you really called out in us. I think that's very accurate. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is... I see nowhere in Scripture that says the spiritual gifts are for uh, something within the context of the church alone. The spiritual gifts are given for all of life. Okay, well, let's just say, within the context of the four walls church. But yes. it is within yes. the context the of body the church. Of Christ. Right? Correct. The body of Christ, which yeah. is, I mean, exactly. Jesus never gave us building plans for church buildings. Correct. He gave us building plans for building the kingdom of God. Yes. And, and, and as we met in D.C. just recently, I mean, $9 trillion worth of church buildings in this country. Imagine how many social problems we could solve if that $9 trillion had gone towards ministering to the needs of the least of these. Yes. $9 trillion. That's a lot of cash. Yes. That, that's staggering. 
So we're talking today with Don Hoover, Don Riker, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And we're just talking about, okay, what does it look like to walk out your faith in your work each and every day? What does it look like? Well, not all of us have an opportunity to work with business owners and leaders that really want to seek the Lord each and every day. People that work at Binkley Hearst, Binkley and Hearst, they get to see it each and every day. Don, in 15 seconds or less, Don Hoover, just tell us one practical way people can live out their faith as a leader in their workplace. Um, have a strong devotional life, understand what it means to be led of the Lord. Um, the discipline that I endeavor to live by is discipline to hear the voice of God and then courage to obey. And that's a constant rhythm for life. How often do you pray for your people? I mean, like by name? Um, honestly, all the time. All the time. That's mm. All the time. Don, you had said having a strong devotional life and and really encouraging people in that. And Don, you had something you wanted to share as well. I will never forget this experience my whole life. And I've told this story many times, but um, I worked for a, a national nonprofit organization that shipped a lot of materials out every day. And the UPS driver would come every day. And um, we made it our goal that at least one, if not more staff members would greet him and spend a few moments just caring about him as a person. How's your day going? Those kinds of things. Once in a while, how can we pray for you? But we, the um, encouragement is to recognize that we're a representative of Christ to whoever we touch during the course of the day, even a UPS driver. And one day this man came in and he looked really, really sad mm -hmm. and dejected. And so several of us went over to him to see what, what was up. And he said, this is my last day on this route. They've changed my roots. And he said, I love coming to this office. I don't know what it is about you people, but every time I walk in here, it just boosts my spirits. It is the highlight of my day to come in here. And before I go, could you please tell me what makes you all so different? Wow. And so we were able to lead them to the Lord that day because he experienced simple love in action on a daily basis was a transaction that many of us would take for granted but we realized it was an opportunity to represent christ to him you know and that's such a great thing because we talk about that often about it's you know we we specifically um say praying for your co-workers and employees and he's really a co-worker because he is someone co-working with you to make happen what you guys had happening in that organization and seeing him in that light and seeing him as um, somebody who needed a touch of the Lord and and no idea where that was going to end up but ending up in him asking you know being being in a safe place where he knew you had been authentic enough that he could say what is it about you that that makes you different boy just opening yes. the door for that conversation so it's really awesome and one of the cool things about that we have the same type of thing with customers who come in here mm -hmm. uh, salespeople from other companies or whatever um, and one of the things that intrigues me is a very high percentage of them will not be sitting in the same place I'm sitting on a Sunday morning. Right. They are a high doing whatever they will do. will never do Exactly that. right. So they're seeing the life and love of Christ in action, on display, in everyday life, which is kind of the way I think Jesus went about doing things. Yeah. And so here we have that opportunity every day in multiple ways. Again, there are many, many stories that could be told of that nature. 
Well, and we got people coming in now. That you, know, you get the post office people are coming in every day of the week. The UPS drivers, the the FedEx drivers, DHL. I mean, there's there's so many that are this every day. They're coming in and out. They're delivering stuff, especially now with the the wave of shopping so much online. Uh, what a great what a great example that was. That was a great example. Everybody listening could take advantage of that example because everybody has interaction with those people every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and another point of your story um, is you, um, Don Riker were saying that you um, were in a nonprofit organization when this was going on. And a lot of times we kind of let down our guard, don't we? When we're in different environments and we think, well, you know, everybody, everybody here already knows what we're all about. And, you know, we're just going to do our thing and get it done so I can go home at the end of the day. But having intentionality within a nonprofit is just as important as it is in any other organization because we are Jesus to the people around us. So I just wanted to point that out because a lot of times, you know, it's easy to let our guard down or to just not be as intentional. So that was a great example. So we're on location today in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the headquarters, the international headquarters of Binkley. Well, you send stuff all over the world, don't you? We do. The international headquarters of Binkley Hearst, Binkley and Hearst, BinkleyHearst.com. See, that whole end thing, Binkley and Hearst is the name of the company. BinkleyHearst.com is their website. But you really want to check out, they used to have this little toy shop out back of the main headquarters, but they decided to take that to a whole new level. They have OutbackToys.com. Martha and I got a chance to to tour it. Literally, I could have spent an entire week there shopping. What an incredible place that was. You're welcome to do that, honestly. We wouldn't refuse that. But you'd probably want me to spend money, but I I would still just be looking. Outback toys.com yes people can find it online and don hoover invited in his very good friend don Riker. and and i want to talk don you've got this thing at uh teaching the word ministry called presence-based leadership i want to make sure we hit that but i i know that there's some other stuff that you guys want to talk about but but make sure we cover this today but you had something you want to make sure you asked don Riker when he came in here today well let's take that present base presence-based leadership thing it's a great example okay so i'm down here at the local uh, gas station and i'm pumping gas and out of nowhere came the impression practice my presence my power and my praises in the marketplace and i knew the my wasn't don hoover or don Riker. it was the presence the power and praises of christ I took that over to teaching the word and said, is there any possibility that this would have been the Lord? What do you guys think? And it was embraced by the teaching the word folks, again, by one of Don's associates, um, more specifically, who actually wrote a book, I believe, about it. It's entitled Presence-Based Living. But it's certainly very consistent with the way uh, my dear friend Don Riker and I approach life, and that is to be thankful for what God is doing, to anticipate with expectancy what he may be doing, and then to aspire to be obedient and bold in our uh, follow-through. So, Don Riker, talk to us about this presence-based leadership. What does it look like? Well, basically, it's building off the truth that Jesus said, I am with you always in the presence of, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Christ is with us wherever we go, whatever we're doing. And so it's cultivating an awareness of that presence and then drawing from him what is it that you want? What, what are your plans and your purposes for this relationship, for this interaction, for this time? Uh, in John chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said, My Father is always working, and I am working also. And yeah. that, if you think about that, my Father is always working. Mm-hmm. So if the Father is always working and Jesus is working with him, and Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, I only say what I hear the Father saying, 
and that's the pattern for us, then we need to be more in touch with what is God doing now, and how does he want me to join him? Does he want me to join him, and how, how should I join him so that I am aligned with he's already working in the situation that I'm in? So um, how's this playing out? Are you teaching this to people? Are you just talking about it where you're going? What are you doing with that? Teach it, model it. Um, celebrate it. Celebrate it. Um, there are times where I've been part of boards that have learned how to go away from decision-making and Robert's Rules of Orders to actually discernment where people are listening for God and saying, I believe this is what God is saying. And there's no place for, in my opinion, we should. It's, this is what I hear God saying we should do. And letting others confirm that and being confident that others will confirm that if that is indeed God. And so... Um, there are a variety of ways that this takes form, but it ultimately is discipleship. It's walking along with mm-hmm. in whatever way is most meaningful to them. It, you know, people are listening on the radio. They're in their cars. They're, li- they're in their, uh, their offices streaming this show, they're, they, and they're listening to the podcast later on. We need to give them practical. We need to give them what, – what does it look like? Give me a specific example of leading in the presence of God. Talk to – what is it? Show us – tell me – give me an example of a time that, that God demonstrated this in you. There have been many times where I've sat opposite people and they'll share their situation and they're facing some pretty significant challenges. And there probably could be some platitudes I could give them or principles, but instead to stop and say, God, what do you want me to say? What is it that you have for this person? What is your wisdom for them at this time? And actually take a few moments and listen. And then share that in faith. It is amazing how God will bring things that never would have come to my own mind, but is things that are above and beyond, and it turns out to be the key. Or he'll give me a question to ask that I wouldn't have thought of. And I ask that question, and it it puts what they're facing in a whole new light, and then they can begin to answer those questions in a way that begins to meet whatever their need is or solve their problem. Mm. Go ahead. I could use another illustration, uh, practical, because that's the way we are. Um, I was in a meeting in Harrisburg, and there were legislators. There were some folks involved in banking. There was uh, just a a good smattering cross-section of influencers in Harrisburg. And we have gone back and forth and round and round on this discussion for probably two hours. And I, I looked around the table, and I said, you know, around the circle, I mean to say, and I said, you know, we've been at this for two hours. I'm not sure how much we've gained. Is there anyone in the room who would be offended if I would ask the giver of all wisdom to release to us what we need here? And there was a secretary um, in the room, and he shook his head. There wouldn't be any issue with that. So I prayed and asked the Lord to release his wisdom to us, just a brief, I don't think it was a minute and a half long. In the next 20 minutes, we got to places in that discussion where we hadn't in the first two hours. Mm. And the number of conversations that I was able to have after that with people saying, seriously, you, you just pray like that? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like what God invited us to do. We weren't, didn't <laughs> seem like we were getting anywhere. And, well, yeah, that was pretty intriguing. So um, it's it's not common. I mean, it's obviously counterculture to a significant extent. It's countercultural in the church, but in the God's four walls faith. church staff, uh, to, to do those kinds of things. It is. Not not only in a, in a legislative conversation, it's counterculture everywhere to actually go, oh, because I, I don't think we were all taught that God cares about the intimate details of our lives. If we'll just shut up and listen and ask him. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I mean, it, it just, yet he says in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask, and I'll give it right. to you abundantly without rebuke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jim, I thought you were going to kind of delve into this whole, when he, Don Riker, you mentioned in passing how, you know, a board that agreed to give up Robert's rules of order in order to, you know, just allow God to direct it. And um, wow, I can only imagine that a few of our listeners kind of panicked in that moment that <laughs> could I ever do that? Could I allow, you know, something that we have so structured and we think that it always has to be run this way um, to be so freeing and to be to, and to allow God to actually be a part of the conversation. That's amazing. There is an ambivalence to it because things that we feel out of control are difficult for us and it Mm -hmm. kind of feels very out of control. And yet at the same time, as people begin to do it, they actually find it is much more freeing than anything they've experienced. And the weight of quote-unquote decision-making is no longer there because it rests with God. (laughs) When we can all learn that little secret, life would be transformational in this country. You're actually learning to lean on the Lord in those details in your life each and every moment of life. You listen to I Work For Him from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Wow, I just wish you guys were all here. It's just beautiful today. And you know, we're on the road capturing stories so that you and I could just know what it looks like each and every day to live out our faith in our work, no matter what that work may be. Because we all know our workplace, it's our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers, our employees may ever meet. The job that you hold, the work that you do, the people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus. You may be their only chance. Don Hoover, right before the break, you were trying to get something in there, and I cut you off because we had to get to the break. Talk to me. We were talking about that practicality of of actually asking God to get involved in the details of our conversations, mm-hmm. our decisions. Take it from there. Yeah, I just felt it was important to add one more um, exclamation point to what my brother Don Riker was saying here about decision-making versus discernment. So when you're sitting with a group of people and you need to make, a, you need to choose a direction, you need to make a traditionally defined decision um, to go to the to go to the intentionality of saying, okay, so I have prayed, I believe this is what God's showing me, um, so this is what we're going to do, and there may be four or five other people in the room who may or may not concur with that. They may not approach the, the um, discernment making the way I do. So I find great value in saying, okay, so I've thought through this, and I feel like. You know, this may be a direction we could go, or even before I do that, more and more these days I'm saying, so what have you discerned? What is the, the, the direction that the Lord would have us go here? Or um, can we find uh, consensus by the Holy Ghost? Can we find consensus here as to what it is that the Lord would be doing? Don Riker would say, what is God's heart for this situation or for this need, this person, whatever that we're aware of? So again, it's not... It's not, um, you know, God has spoken and I've got this thing, this idea all figured out. <laughs> Often as leaders, we think that though. So if you're in those times where you're, th- this is where I've discerned that we should go, but you decide to ask a question instead of just blurting out, here's what I feel the Lord has laid on my shoulders. Yeah, okay. Exactly. How often... That was good, honey. And I just, I all of a sudden, it flitted into my <laughs> liturgical world. Uh, how often is the consensus contrary to what you thought? This is what God wanted you to do. I wouldn't say contrary, but it will influence. Influence and impact are two of my favorite words. I'd rather sit here all day and talk about that than leadership because of the many, many people in Scripture, in the Old Testament especially, lots of stories where there were people who were faithful to God's call in their lives, and they started with a significant uh, level or opportunity to show influence. 
And then as they were faithful in, in uh, the way God was placing them there, he called them into where they had impact, and then eventually he set them up as leaders. Nehemiah would be a great example of that. Um, so for me to, again, practice what I'm, quote, preaching, um, it has me saying, okay, gang, here's, here's where we are. And I think we've agreed already in previous conversations or, you know, just within our core values and whatever, that over here is the ultimate destination. How do we get there? Let, let's talk and think about what that looks like. And to pray, um, certainly with them this morning, again, in, in staff meeting early this morning, I mean, it's, the meetings are open with prayer. Um, I certainly don't do all of them. Somebody else is, you know, asked to pray. It's not just because this is, you know, something that Don thinks is a good idea, but it is actually owned by the rest of the team as well. Hmm. You know, it is great as um, people are hearing practical um, ways that you're living out your leadership here in this organization, Don Hoover. Um, but you also want to hear a little bit more from your friend Don Riker. So why don't you have a question you want to ask him? Yeah, I do. Um, I was thinking about if Don Riker was in front of a room full or a stadium full um, of those folks who are beginning to walk in some fresh uh, level of understanding as what as uh, regarding what it means to honor Christ in the marketplace. Don, if you've got five minutes to talk to them, what is your conversation? What is your admonition going to focus around? Hmm. Excellent question, and so we certainly could take more than five minutes. Unfortunately, that's all we have. That's all you have. Um, I think I would begin by um, affirming that they are uniquely prepared for what they are doing and placed where they are by God. And that's intentional. Um, real quick, I'll always remember a story. Howard Hendricks, the Bible teacher who used to be a professor at Dallas Seminary, told a woman came up after one of his seminars and complained, I am the only Christian in this business of a thousand people. I can't stand it. And she was just went on and on and on about how difficult it is to be around all these non-Christians. And the moment she finished, he took her and shook her hand, and he said, Madam, I am so honored to meet you. Do you mean to tell me that God so trusts all the thousand people in that business to you, that you're the only one that's needed, and that you can be the influence he wants to have in that place all by yourself? Hmm. And it totally changed that woman's perspective. And she practically skipped out the door for the break because of that perspective and that's the truth that's a paradigm shift we all need to understand absolutely how many of us have said that i'm the only one here i want to go i want to get out of here absolutely so uniquely placed and then to realize that stewardship is about far more than money in the church and in america we make it about the bottom line which is finances but in god's eyes stewardship is much broader it's everything he's entrusted to us And the most important things he's entrusted to us are what's eternal. Our relationship with him, the word of God, and people are eternal. And so the most important things in God's eyes at the end of the day is stewarding our relationships with people. And are we doing them in such a way as to bring increase to the kingdom of God? Because in the end, the evaluation of stewardship that Jesus gave with the parable of the talents was, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you bring increase with what I gave you? And so are we embracing the relationships of people which are predominantly non-Christians in the marketplace, uh, in the workplace? Are we embracing those relationships in a way that over time God is going to work through us and bring increase to his kingdom? When you share 
that with the average person in their workplace? Because you get exposed to people in all different kinds of workplaces, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you guys are out here in ag country where people are working the fields, they're working the farms, they're working with animals, uh, they're teaching middle schoolers and middle school special needs, which is even higher. I mean, everywhere in between, running stores, doing bed and breakfast, all those different things. When you share with them that God has entrusted them with this many customers and this many vendors or this many students, do they get it? Do they understand the call most, on their life? Most do. Most do. And it opens up a whole new realm of understanding and where to, what the possibilities are. And it, it brings a whole new understanding of what their pur- purpose in life is about. It's not just about, yeah, it's not just about what my job description says on the paper, but it's what God has for me in the midst of that. You know, Jim, I can't help but think about Love 2020 in this conversation because Love 2020 is a movement where um, believing that every person in America will feel the authentic touch of Jesus. And um, that is really what you're talking about. If we're going to steward our people well, we need to give them an authentic touch of Jesus. And whatever that may be, meeting that need you know, listening, being a listening ear, um, loving them in a way that maybe when they're unlovable in the workplace or as a customer or a vendor and listening to them, you know, when they're unhappy, but realizing that's not really what they're unhappy about. So um, I just want to point people to love2020.org and they can check that out because really there's just a lot of tools there that can help people to go, how can I steward the people around me well? And that's Mm -hmm. through Jesus's love. All right, we got two minutes left, boys. Free for all, Don Hoover, Don Riker here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. What do you want? What do you want the audience to hear from that God's laid in your heart? Don Riker, you first. Oh, sorry. I get to choose. (laughs) (laughs) They're passing off. Um, Just the encouragement again, that with God's presence, everybody can and easily could be doing this just to be sensitive to God. What do you have for me today? Mm -hmm. And how would you have me respond to the people around me and realizing that they touch everybody in the listening audience will touch far more people in the course of a week than the average pastor does for 45 minutes to an hour on a Sunday morning. And so if, if we are going to see the harvest that I believe God wants for this nation and beyond, it's going to come through the workplace and it's our influence. It's where we are on a day-to-day basis. It's going to make that difference. Well, and it's not just about evangelism. It's not just about teaching them how to avoid hell. It's talking about this life that God is, God, Jesus came and might have life and live it to the fullest now, not just in heaven. Don Hoover. Um, when I began to get a, a bit of a grip on the number of people that we touch and influence every day through the technology, through our websites, through business cards that are being handed out by 170 employees, uh, the multiple, multiple hundreds of phone calls that are taken here every day and realize how many touch points we have. I go back again to Second Corinthians 2.14. We know that God is always leading us in victory, and through us, he diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge of himself in all places, and that's it just by being near us unbelievers should be impacted by our relation with christ i mean that's what you're talking about that fragrance there, should be impacted everybody around us yeah. there has to be a difference don Riker, thanks for joining us How, a website for your ministry uh teaching the word is uh ttwm.org right T-T-W-M. now ttwm.org ttwm.org and don 
Hoover. Thanks for hosting us here from Binkley and Hearst. Binkleyhearst.com and OutbackToys.com. Thank you, Don. Thank you very much. Privilege. Make sure you guys you check these guys out online. It just a lot of great conversations, just a lot of encouragement. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.